Pastor Carmen is such a pillar of faith in this church. Amen. And she deserves so much honor in this house for being there through thick and thin in the small days and the big days. Amen. Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God, for this day. I thank you for everyone that's here, Father. And I ask you, God, that you will receive all the honor and glory today, Lord God Almighty. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just take over, Lord God, and that you would use me, Lord God, to minister to your people in this day. Amen. Um, today, my message is of the presence of the Holy Spirit, fullness of joy. I'm going to be concentrating on fullness of joy. In Psalm 1611, it says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I want to start by saying that as Christians, we believe in the Trinity. We know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. We know that we all have a father or else we wouldn't be here. And when a male child is born, we call him a son. We know he's a son. But we've never seen our spirit man. There are instances in the Bible where we see, where we could read, where God spoke. The God the Father spoke to man. He spoke to Abraham, Noah, Abraham, just to name a few. And we know that Jesus came on this earth in the form of a man. He was visibly seen, and he had a direct relationship with many people. And Jesus had to leave so that the Holy Spirit would come. We talk and we pray to the Father and to Jesus, but who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit has been here on this earth since Jesus left, and we don't even know him. According to the book, The Forgotten God, the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood member of the Godhead. For the most part, he has been ignored by church members. The church is not operating in the full power because it has not had a relationship with the Holy Spirit and has not saw his presence. When I started to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to take me into his presence, I felt fearful But you know that's a trap of the enemy because the devil does not want you to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He does not want you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be ignorant of the freedom and the power that you have in the presence of God. Now, what are some of the great things that you can expect while you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Number one is the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. And the church said, yay, right? (laughs) There is so much joy and freedom when you finally let go of that sin that had you bound and trapped. In Psalm 51, 10 to 12, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. 
And saw and sorry, and took Samuel eleven and twelve talks the story about David and Bathsheba. David saw Bathsheba. He lusted after her. He even inquired about her. Found out she was married, but that didn't stop him. He said, "Go get her for me." He raped her, and then he sent her back home on her way. Afterwards, he found out that she was pregnant. So he started devising a plot to try to get her husband to come back, be with his wife, and then everything will be covered up. Husband came back, but it didn't work out the way David planned. And because it didn't work out that way, then he plotted to kill him. He plotted to kill Bathsheba's husband. And it wasn't until the prophet Nathan, God sent the prophet Nathan, Nathan to talk to him. And he told him a little story. And then he pointed his hand at him and he said, you, David, are the one. You're the one that's in sin. And this psalm, Psalm 51, was birthed from that conviction. The sin that David enjoyed and he made excuses for, now that sin repulsed him and he cried out to God, God, clean me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David, he was the giant slayer. We all tell the story about David and Goliath. David, he won so many victories, so many battles. David was a man after God's own heart. But he never imagined that he would stoop so low as to kill an innocent man. And when David was caught, he didn't say, oh, so what? I got caught in sin. I got caught in adultery. I got caught. I raped her. Okay, what? He didn't say that. He didn't joke about his sin. Like some people I know that joke about their sin and relish in their past sins. He was fearful. The Holy Spirit, the fear of God came upon him and he did not want the Holy Spirit to depart from him. The reason the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin is not so that you could wallow in your sin. And it's not that so you could regret that you got caught. It's so that you can restore your relationship with the Father. And that joy that comes only through salvation in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 139, 7, it says, Where shall I go from thy spirit? Or what shall, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? David realized he couldn't hide his sin from God. He knew also that he couldn't live without the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. He asked God to clean his heart, to restore him. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you running from his presence. He wants to draw you near. He wants you to experience the joy that the world cannot give. Now, there are times where the convictions of the Holy Spirit catch you off guard. You're not waiting for it. I remember when I, a um, long time ago, I... Um, I went to get gas. I didn't have any money for gas in my car, and I had a $2 winning lottery ticket. So I figured I'll cash it in. Hopefully, I'll win some money and put gas in my car. I turned in the lottery ticket, and I asked for two more, and I tell you, I felt the Holy Spirit pierce my heart, and I knew that gambling was wrong, and I haven't gambled since. Now, if what I'm saying offends you or your lifestyle, ask the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to convict you or convince you of what is sin. It's the Holy Spirit's job. You got to draw close to him. You got to get in his presence and ask him what is wrong in your life. And sometimes he'll ask you to leave something that's not sin. 
Now, when I was pregnant with my twins, I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to stop drinking coffee. And what I did was I just cut back. Because I figured, you know, maybe he doesn't want me to drink coffee because I'm pregnant. It's no good for the baby. So I just cut back. I used to drink maybe 10 to 12 cups a day. But, you know, so I cut back. Sometimes I wouldn't have any, one or two cups, you know. It's just a little bit, just a little bit, you know. Especially when you go to your mommy's house. Your mom is always giving you coffee, you know what I mean? So after the babies were born, I continued back with my coffee drinking. Several months later, I felt the Holy Spirit again asking me to drink coffee. Stop drinking coffee. And that a point, I just stopped. That's it. No more. I haven't drink, drunk any coffee since. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit, he wants you to trust him. In Luke 1, we see the story of how the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her how she was highly favored and how God wanted to use her. And in one verse 135, it said that the angel answered, because Mary was asking, how am I going to have a uh, baby? I, don't, I never knew a man. So the angel answered her and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born in thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary trusted the message that came from God, that the Holy Spirit would cover her and use her to do something never heard of before, something so impossible to human nature, but not to God. Can you imagine when Mary went to tell her parents how she got pregnant? When she told Joseph, she had to face Joseph. And Joseph, he didn't believe her. He walked out on her. He, he didn't want to have anything to do with her. But you know, when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, there is no one else there. It's you and God, you and the Holy Spirit. And no, someone that's not there may not understand it, may not know how God has spoken to you and what God has told you to do, but it is God. And Mary trusted it. Mary trusted that message from God. Someone who hasn't been there and hasn't shared that experience won't know about what you're talking about. Joseph wasn't there, but Mary trusted that God would work all things out. And in Luke 1, 46 to 49, Mary says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. He hath regarded the low estate of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great things in me. Holy is his name. Mary rejoiced. Mary rejoiced that God was doing a mighty work in her, that God was using her. And she had to trust him. It wasn't just that one moment that she had to trust God. It's her whole life. We have to trust God our whole life. And there was another time, the second time that we know in the scriptures where Mary was tested in her trust of God was when they left Jerusalem in Luke 2, 41 to 49. On the way home, Mary and Joseph realized that Jesus was missing. Can you imagine their panic when their child was gone? Can you imagine her prayer regrets? Father, God, I lost your son. I'm sorry. I'll never let it happen again. Forgive me. Help me find him. Those of you who were present when we had our first church picnic, at Sherwood Island, may remember that my grandson, Devin, went missing. And the first thing I did 
was I looked at my daughter's face. And you know what? I didn't believe her. I didn't believe that my grandson was missing because she looked so peaceful and so calm. It wasn't until later on when I talked to her, she told me that she kept telling herself, don't panic, don't panic. And it's very hard, it's very difficult to keep yourself from panicking when things are falling apart. You start getting anxious and frustrated. And it wasn't until I saw my other daughter's face, who was the last one to have Devin, the look of panic on her face, then I knew it was real that Devin was missing. Everybody started crying out his name, shouting his name, looking for him. His father was ready to have the whole park just shut down. And then we, somebody says, there he is. And we see a man bringing him, bringing him back. From what I recall, Devin wasn't crying. He wasn't scared. He didn't even know he was in any type of danger. Mary and Joseph were worried. But the scripture tells us that Jesus, he lingered behind because he was about his father's business. Jesus was at the right place at the right time. Joseph and Mary may have been panicking, but Jesus was at the right place at the right time. And the Holy Spirit will lead you to be about your father's business. It's not about you anymore. Trusting God is a lifestyle that will draw you closer to him. Number three is that the Holy Spirit during ministry. In Matthew 3, 14, sorry, 16 to 4, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight upway, straightway, out of the water. And lo, the, hand, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The people were repenting, and they were going to be water baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus didn't have any sins. But he wanted to show us that repentance from your sin comes first, and then you're water baptized. He was driven in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus there as further preparation for his messianic role. The word drove also suggests an urgency of meeting and defeating Satan's attempts to defile him before he embarked on a mission of breaking the enemy's powers and others. He wanted to show that we had the victory and we as believers in Christ also have that same victory. Now, once Jesus' ministry started, he taught the disciples. And in Mark 6, 7, he says that he called unto himself the 12, and he sent them forth two by two. He gave them power over unclean spirits. In verse 12, 13, they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. The apostles were previously sent to preach and heal and cast out devils before they received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And they weren't the only ones sent. In Luke 10.1, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also and sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would go. The ministry of praying for the sick, casting on devils, was not just for the apostles only. 
In verse 17, it says, The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us in thy name. They were preaching the kingdom of God, casting out devils, before they were filled with the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will transform your life to be just like Jesus. As believers in Christ, you have that same authority. You have the Holy Spirit. When you repent of your sins, and then in Mark 16, Jesus, he called the he talked to the 11 and he rebuked them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him when he was risen. Then he commissioned them to go out and start their ministry. He tells them that they will speak in new tongues. They still had not received the Holy Spirit, but he told them, you will speak in new tongues when you receive the Holy Spirit. They still lack the power that can come through the presence of the Holy Spirit. They did as Jesus did, but now that Jesus was gone, they needed to have their own relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming to your life. Wait for him. I can't tell you enough. Wait. Wait upon the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it has not seen him, neither knoweth him, but he knoweth him, for he dwelleth with you. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells with you when you receive salvation. And shall be in you, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. When the Holy Spirit dwells in you, your body now becomes a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit to reside. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I like the way Derek Prince describes the immersion of the Holy Spirit. He says there's two types of baptism, two types of immersion. The first one is the water baptism. You go into the water, you come out. He says the second one, the Holy Spirit comes from above. And he calls it the Niagara Falls experience. He said that the first time he saw Niagara Falls, he said you cannot be not one second under that falls without being totally and completely immersed. When the Holy Spirit comes about you, he totally and completely fills you. He abides with you. He abides with you. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came, they received full power. In Acts 4, the Pharisees recognized that they were uneducated and realized that they had been with Jesus. Praise God when the world recognizes that you have been with Jesus. That you are different. That you're not the same person that you were before. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was evident by the miracles, signs, wonders, and their boldness in preaching the word. Their faith in God. The Pharisees realized that they were not educated men. But you know what? You don't need a college degree to cast out devils. Wait for the power Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and wait for the power. Number four is the spirit of truth. In John 18, 38, Pilate said to Jesus, said to him, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. Here you have two men of authority. Pilate. He could have let Jesus go. He had the authority to let Jesus go, but he was a man pleaser. 
and he wanted to please the Jewish leaders. And you have Jesus, another man of authority. He had the power to call 12 legions of angels if he wanted to stop it. But he knew he was on this earth for a plan and a purpose, and it was not time to do something like that. He had to complete the will of the Father. I find the question that Pilate asks so strange, what is truth? Because the Bible tells us in John 13, 6, how that the, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So here Pilate is asking, what is truth? Jesus is right in front of him. Jesus is the truth, and he just turns around. Even though he didn't find any fault in him, he just gives him up because it was the plan of God. But he did not want to face truth anymore. He turned around, and he just let him go. He rejected the spirit of truth, and then after that, he made friends with public enemy number one, which was Herod. This Wednesday, when we had our city links, we played a game of Simon Says. You know, Elaine, she tired of telling everybody there what to do. You know, Simon says this, Simon says do that, you know, raise your hand. And I was watching those that were doing, following her instructions. She said, raise your right hand, and some of them raised their left or raised both of them. You know, we laughing and joking. But after we were all done, I said to her, I said to them, Simon is like the Holy Spirit instructing you and telling what you do. Some of you were, not, were outrightly disobeying the commands. You were outrightly disobeying the Holy Spirit. You were smiling, you were laughing and joking about it. And as soon as I said that, the smiles were gone. It got all quiet. The Holy Spirit shows you the truth, not to hurt you, but to edify you. The fifth thing that I have here is that the Holy Spirit prepares you for battle. In the book of Judges, there's four times that it says that the Holy Spirit came upon four particular men. In Judges 3, 10, it says the Holy Spirit came upon Othiel. In Judges 6, 34, it says the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. In Judges 11, 6, the Spirit of God came upon Jethe. In Judges 13, 25, the Spirit of the Lord was moving in Samson's life. There is a very real enemy. And the devil will take every chance he could get to destroy you. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And these men and judges needed the Holy Spirit. They needed the Holy Spirit to guide them in the battle with the enemy. They needed the Holy Spirit right there in the battlefield. You, you could prepare in the flesh. You could do exercise. You could prepare in the flesh. Do, you know, try to do what you got to do to prepare. But it's only the Holy Spirit can guide you. The Holy Spirit could tell you to stay still because it's his battle. Or he could send you out and give you the victory. It's the Holy Spirit that's in control. The Holy Spirit empowered these men and gave them the victory. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is within you. Those in the upper room were not just the apostles. There was 120 people there. And they spoke a new language. They were bold and filled with the power. Dunamis, 
which means dynamite power, explosive power. Now, everything Jesus taught them, now it made sense. And they taught the word of God and signs and wonders following the preaching of the word. Now, of course, this didn't please the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And in Acts 5, it talks about how they got arrested. They were thrown in jail. Angel got them out of jail, told them, go preach again. And the Pharisees were all upset about this. And they wanted to kill them. They had killed Jesus, and now they wanted to kill them too. But there was one Pharisee named Gamaliel, and he gave them some advice. And he told them in Acts 5, 38 to 41. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, let them alone. For if this counsel or this work is of men, it will be for naught. If what they're doing is, man, is from man, it's going to amount to nothing. But if it be of God, you cannot throw overthrow it. Let's happily be found even to be fighting as God. When they, it says, if this move that, that these men are doing, preaching the word, healing the sick, if this is of God, you're not going to be able to stop them because you're going to be fighting against God himself. And he said, and to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles, they beat them. They commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let him go. And they departed from the presence of the council and rejoicing that they were kind of worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. The apostles were not afraid. They were beaten and they were rejoicing. They were glad that they had gotten beaten for what they believe in. And they continued daily in the temple and in every house and they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And I want to stop here and tell you that your walk with Christ is daily. You cannot turn him on on Sunday, off Monday, Tuesday, city links, you turn him on again, and then you turn him off for the rest of the week until Sunday. That's not how it works. It's not when you're in the mood. The apostles were in the temple daily and in every house teaching and preaching nonstop about Jesus Christ. The church is lacking in the boldness and power of the early church. We get more excited waiting for the next episode of Scandal than spending time with the Holy Spirit. The world should be turning into us. The world should be looking at what's going on in the church. How's God moving in the church? Instead of looking and finding out who's sleeping with who, who's twerking, who's smoking pot 10,000 feet up in the air, who cares? Your focus, my focus, should be Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, 22 to 24, it says, and now I go, this is Paul speaking. And now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing what things shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that in bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to me, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry, which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of grace of God. Paul knew that he was going to suffer. He was going to suffer a lot. But you know, it didn't bother him. He said that he counted all joy. Because nothing in this world is worth your soul. Can have more value than your soul and eternal life in the presence of God. Even Jesus 
when he was hanging on the cross. What joy could you find being tortured, beaten, beaten, ridiculed? But Jesus says, it says in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus found joy because he did it for you. You're the one that gave him joy. You're the one that he kept him on that cross because he knew that one day you would be here. One day you would accept him as Lord and Savior. One day you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. One day you would be doing what he did. And he said, it's worth it. It's worth it to hang on the cross for you. Now, I wanted to point out in all these verses, joy. The Bible tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What does it mean to have joy in the Holy Spirit? Joy in the presence of God. I have these two vases here filled with water. When you're water baptized, when you repent of your sins, you have the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about it. You have the Holy Spirit. And don't let anybody tell you differently. Do not let the enemy put into your head that you do not have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. If you're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, it's like this. There's no reaction. You're saved. You have the Holy Spirit, but you're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and you trust him, when you allow the Holy Spirit to flow in you to convict you of sin to use you in ministry it's like that Niagara Falls experience that Derek, Derek Prince was talking about he comes from above and he fills you to overflowing the power of this tablet was not released until it was opened up and you know what your walk with Christ just doesn't end there the Holy Spirit continues to fill you as you walk in ministry as you allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life he continually fills you you will start operating in ministry in healing in deliverance you will walk in the joy of the Lord you will walk in his fullness you will walk in his power you will walk in his might and there's no demon in hell that can stop the Holy Spirit in your life because you are overflowing and God wants to give you more and more and more because this experience with the Holy Spirit does not end. This is Holy Spirit is continuing. It's a lifestyle. The Holy Spirit is moving in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to fulfill His plan, His calling in your life and there is nothing in this world worth living without the Holy Spirit. It is overflowing. It is powerful. God is here. God wants you to have that experience to overflowing. God wants that power in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. If you have never asked God into your heart right now, take that moment. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come, to fill you. 
Keep asking. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, keep asking. Keep asking for him. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with the evidence of speaking in tongues because there is nothing, nothing, nothing that God will not do for you. God loves you. And God wants to fill you and use you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Spirit, I just ask you that you would manifest yourself right now. Manifest yourself in the lives of everyone here, Lord God Almighty. Come from above, Holy Spirit. Pour out, Lord God. Pour out your Spirit upon everyone here. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Father. Fill them to overflowing. Fill them, Lord God. Lead them, Lord God, into the path that you have for their life, Lord God Almighty. Transform them, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you stand to your feet this morning. Come on, if you want that anointing of the Holy Spirit, that baptism, that overflowing that Pastor Carmen is talking about, come on, lift your hands right now. Begin to pray. Say, Lord, I need that. I need that supernatural anointing. I don't want just the indwelling. I want the overflowing of your spirit, God. Come on, I want the overflow, God. I want the overflow, God. Lord, we want the overflow of your spirit. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, this past year, this past year, me and my wife, we went, to, we went to Niagara Falls, just like Pastor Carmen was talking about. And we, we took it, we went on that little boat, the lady, the maid in the mist, they call it. And we didn't even come near the falls. We were maybe about 20 to 30 yards away from the falls. And you were in where the water drops. We were really far from the falls itself. And all I can remember is getting drenched. And I wasn't even in the falls. And maybe you just missed what I said. But if you lift your hands and you ask God to flood your life, somebody around you is bound to get wet in the Holy Spirit. Somebody around you is bound to really get impacted. So I dare you to lift your hands and begin to pray for that. Say, Holy Spirit, I want that anointing to come over me. Maybe that person next to you doesn't want it. But let me tell you, they're going to get wet in the Spirit. They're going to find somebody or somehow they're going to feel the anointing come down over them also. Come on, I dare you to lift up a praise right now and just say, God, I want that dynamite power, God. I want that presence, the fullness of joy that Pastor Carmen's preaching about. God, I want that right now in my heart, in my mind. Because God, you pursue me with power and glory. Stop overlooking. Oh, love that never ends. 
Separate, can separate. Maybe you came in this room today and you've been separated from the love of your father. And maybe you've bought into the lie that your sin was greater than your savior. But right now, come on with every head bowed and every eye closed in this sanctuary. If you're saying today, Pastor, just like Pastor Carmen preached, I want to draw near to the Spirit of God. I want to draw near to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I want the indwelling of the Spirit. I want the fulfilling of the Spirit. 
If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one's looking at you and you're making a personal decision for Jesus Christ, would you lift your hand right now in this place? Come on, thank you, thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you. Come on. We're making decisions for Jesus Christ. We want that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We've been far from our Savior, and our sin has taken us away from Him, but yet we believed in the lie, but now we're receiving grace and truth and understanding that He has paid the price for my sin and that I am free. And in His presence, like she said, there is fullness of joy. Because in His presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit brings the fullness of of the joy of God, the truth of Jesus. He is the spirit of all truth. Come on, church, with authority and boldness, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to offer you my heart and my life. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, has died on the cross for my sins and paid the ultimate price I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus Christ is my Savior now if you just prayed that prayer you ought to be excited you ought to be excited because the Holy Spirit he is dwelling in you right now and maybe you felt him in the past but now I guarantee you he's living with you he's desiring to radically change your life and now you can actually say this with boldness and authority and believe it I don't care who you are or what you've done or how many sins you have or how bad you think you are there's no sin no shame no past no pain that can separate you from his love there's no height no depth no fear no death can separate you from his love come on sing it out there's no sin no shame no past no pain separate me from his love no no height no depth no fear no death can come on if you believe it I dare you to sing with all your heart no sin no past can separate No high, can separate. Come on, tell them one more time. There's no sin, no shame, no past can separate me from your love. There's no high, no death. No fear, no death. 